Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Rooted Podcast. Uh, we believe that if we are rooted in Scripture, um, then no matter what happens in our life, whether we're in or out of season, um, we will be able to um, live a life according to Christ. And that all starts with making sure that our daily devotion um, to what Scripture says, our daily, uh, daily devotion to Jesus um, is is right up front. And that's why we have this podcast uh, every single day that everything we talk about is is rooted in Scripture uh, to the best of our ability. And we, we, we look at the things that are going around in the world and around church culture, uh, around uh, different things that we see, especially where, where I currently live. And we just kind of talk about it and see what Scripture says about what's going on. And I, I think this will be our last conversation uh, around the church and deconstruction for a little bit. I, I think next week we'll, we'll move on to something else. Um, but this is kind of where I want to land on this. And I, I love to continue to have conversations, whether in the comments or um, if you want to send me an email or, or anything like that. I would love to continue these conversations. Um, but we've talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about Church, um, I can continue to flip back through my notes on everything that we, we talked about. Church last week, we talked about um, becoming all things to all people. We kind of seen like redefining church in America. Um, we kind of we kind of looked at um, is deconstruction good and and what's going on and unpopular opinions. So this is my final. This is kind of our final thing that we're going to talk about uh, for a while here. So when it comes to the deconstruction um, as, as just the face value thing, that my unpopular opinion about it is that it's okay. That deconstruction at, across the board is perfectly okay, and I think it's, it should be welcomed, um, especially amongst young people. Um, we talked about this in the past, that all great things in, in America— uh, I can only, or especially around where I live, great things came because of people who kind of questioned the status quo, the status symbols of what was going on in America. You see, you see people with um, not accepting the way of transportation. They're like, there should be a faster way of transport, uh, transporting things, or just transporting people. Uh, People decided that maybe we can fly or maybe there's a way that we can do it in the sky instead of on the ground. Uh, people thought he was crazy. People thought he was he was not smart, that it wasn't going to work. And, you know, not sh long after we flew for the first time, we had a we had a person on the moon. Um, this is people not accepting where what the current thing is and trying to make it better. And that's kind of what deconstruction is, is where you, you look at something at face value and then you peel back all the layers that have been put up and said, this is what it is. And then look at kind of the mission statement of behind that idea. And you're like, well, maybe we can do accomplish this mission statement a little different. Um, so that is what people should be doing with the church. Like that, that is something that should happen, you know, every couple of generations or maybe every generation where they look at their current church. We're going back to church um, talk now. When we look at their current church and then they peel back all the layers and they look at the mission statement of Jesus 
Um, go into all the world, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching everything I have commanded you, and I'll be with you to the very ends of the age. And uh, the last thing that Jesus um, said to his disciples in Acts, um, that you'll be my witnesses um, to the ends of the earth, like going to evangelize, share, share, like... Jesus also said he was going to, he came to seek and save the lost. And it's kind of that continuation on how we are supposed to do that on this earth. Um, kind of taking that mission statement of what the church uh, is trying to accomplish. And then you can look kind of an acts two of like this, this small snapshot of what like the early church did on when they were together, they had everything in common. They were in awe and, and the signs of wonders of, of what Christ could do in people's lives and what the, the early church leaders could do um, with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus on their side, that they desired to be together, that they broke bread together, that they met together in the temple courts, the common meeting areas, and they kind of created this new ecclesia, this new gathering of, of God's people. And I, I still believe that, you know, that's not a perfect snapshot of, of what the church should look like, but it was a really good and pure one that I think that we should try to always have a part of what we do today. But over time, we kind of put these layers on top of the church, right? Like we kind of say like, well, we need to add this to church and this would be good for church. And here's another layer of church. And over time, we kind of get these things called denominations where the, this, this group of people say like, this is really important. And they kind of add a layer onto their church. And over time, the denominations slowly become more about the person in power um, than, the, than the actual person we're supposed to worship. Now, that's not every church. That's, that's not every building. That's not every gathering of people. Um, but like a lot of things that kind of layer up are, are about preferences, um, and, and that's okay. Like we all have preferences. We all have ways that we like to worship God or we connect with God. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's displeasing to, to God by any means. But what will be displeasing to him is when we choose ourselves over um, trying to bring somebody else into the will of God by repentance and baptism and, and, and allowing their sins to be forgiven. And, and we're supposed to do that as well as uh, on God's side. And if we choose preferences over that, like that's, that's not good. So we kind of see like this deconstruction start to happen over time when a lot of that starts to happen. Um, I, the reason, one reason I think it's a good thing is because uh, a little over 200 years ago, the, 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 we're not really a denomination, but the group that we subscribe to with the church that I'm a part of, um, that happened in, in 1801. It was at a revival in Cane Ridge, Kentucky, where a bunch of ministers got together to do this revival. 20,000 people showed up, and after the revival was over, all the ministers kind of hung out, and they, they realized that they all had the same message. Like, for the revival, it was all about Jesus. It wasn't about their doctrine or the way that they do church. It was just all about Jesus and the grace that Jesus offers in our life. And you know, after that, about four years later, they, they decided to start a new, you can call it denomination, they started a new uh, liturgy to subscribe to, that it was in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, but in all things love. 
and that the church was going to be rooted and based solely on what the Bible says and nothing else. And it was they were going to keep it simple. They were just going to read the Bible, and they were going to preach from the Bible. It wasn't going to be from preference. Now, over 200 years, you, you can look at some of these Restoration Movement Christian churches. They, they have some layers to them. They have some things that they value. Individual congregations look completely different. Um, it basically revolves around the lead minister and the elders and their personalities and what they value, and that's kind of what the, the church kind of turns into. Now, that's not, at face value, that's not a bad thing, because if the, the lead minister and the elders are rooted in Scripture, they're rooted in Christ, then they will attract people just like them, and they will lead them to Christ. Um, but because of the way that it's set up, it there's there's a lot of room for hurt. There's a lot of room for big preferences. And uh, over time, you kind of see where even in my church, the church that, that we subscribe to, the Restoration Christian Church, um, we're no better than any other denomination. We still have our flaws, and we you kind of see preferences kind of kind of start to build up over time. And the one thing that I see with all of this, the deconstruction, which I, which I love because you kind of see like some of these layers start to peel back. And the thing about deconstruction and what it should do is eventually when you peel back, you just should be left with Jesus. And then you need to have that as your foundation, as we see in Scripture. Like Jesus needs to be the cornerstone. He needs to be the foundation. And then you slowly build your church from that. Like it doesn't start with it. Does, you don't rip it all away and then start with your preferences because we see in scripture that if it's not built on Jesus, then it's, it's like building your house on sand. It's just going to crumble over time. And we've kind of seen that with, with, with some of these churches, not all churches, the some of them where they kind of remove Jesus away and the uncomfortableness of the gospel. And they built it on, on their preferences and they kind of see how it's, it's just kind of crumbling from the base and they, they're, just kind of trying to patch it back together. And at that point, it just needs to be kind of leveled. But start back at Jesus. That doesn't mean that we we didn't it doesn't mean that we have uh we've lost. It doesn't mean that it is destroyed, that Jesus is never coming back, or that the church is never coming back. That, that, no, no, no. It's okay to go back to be like, okay, what do we truly believe? Let's, let's, let's start back at our core and then move forward again. That's, those are something that are really good. But the, the, here's, here's where this deconstruction church movement kind of marries uh, culture, which is kind of teetering towards a direction that is, I would say, anti-gospel or isn't a part of the gospel. And that's because in our deconstruction, we allow non-Christians to have an opinion and say on what's going on. So there's a, there's a very clear way that we are supposed to go about having confrontation with each other. There's a clear defined expectation on how we are supposed to deal with church, church issues. And instead of doing those things, which are the biblical way of doing things, which God had set up and I think truly does work and allows for healing allows for moving forward. It allows nobody to be lost and it preferences don't be, aren't chosen, but Jesus is chosen in every situation. Like I I believe in those, in those steps, 
but we've we've skipped those steps and we just allow the non-church, the non-Jesus to have opinions about somebody's decision. And we call this in the church and we call it in things called cancel culture where somebody in the I mean this is across the board but I'm just talking about church where a church person did something that was not good. They chose them themselves or chose their chose their own preferences over Jesus. And because of that, there needs to be some sort of accountability and steps towards Jesus. And the church is, is supposed to be really good at this. Like there's, we're supposed to be really good at repentance. We're supposed to be really good at forgiveness. We're supposed to be really good at loving and teaching and, and bringing people back. But instead, it's really popular now to just get rid of the person so we don't have to deal with that anymore. And we're going to let the world do that for us. Instead of, instead of Christians taking their own accountability and say, this, okay, this is one of us. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to love? We just allow the culture to do that. So I kind of found some of these things that I, would, I, would, I really need us to think about today. And these are the difference between what cancel culture says and what the gospel says. And I, I, I really want us to take this to heart because if we have an issue in our churches, we need to make sure that it is gospel-centered and not culture-centered, or it's not cancel culture-centered. It's not the world-centered. These are two vastly different things. So what cancel culture says, first, is that you are unforgiven, like you did something wrong, you're unforgiven, go away forever. What the gospel says is that you are forgiven. Now, there's, there's a big thing about forgiveness here. Now, we need to understand. Forgiving is very, very important, but forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. Like when someone says, hey, somebody sinned against you, you need to go forgive them. That means that you are not allowing them to dictate your mind, your heart, and your soul anymore. When they sin against you, you need to release that. You need to forgive them. But that doesn't mean that you continue to do business with them because that's just silly. If somebody wrongs you in the business world, if somebody wrongs you in your family, if somebody wrongs you, it is okay not to trust that person and set up a boundary between you and that person. What cancel culture says is just remove that person. They, there is unforgiveness. But Jesus still says you need to forgive, and that's really, really important. Cancel culture says you are unredeemable. Like, once you do that thing, you, can, you will never be good again. You will never be able to go on the right path again. Like, that is who you are. You can never change who you are. There is no coming back. Now, that's not every culture. We've seen people do not so great things, and now they are allowed back into certain society. Um, but what the gospel says is you are redeemable. That no matter what you did in your past, when, when, when Jesus enters your life, he can redeem who you are. And he can redeem you in Jesus as you walk towards his will. Like there can be extreme life change on this earth for eternity because of the gospel message. And, and that's really important. If we're Christians, we need to believe this, that it is possible, that it can happen. It doesn't mean it, does, it happens overnight. 
but it can happen. And we need to understand that. The next thing is that cancel culture remembers your sins. Like when I mean remembers, like whenever you do something and everybody knows about it, it becomes public. If you are continue to walk towards Jesus and you mess up a little bit, what culture does and cancel culture does is they're like, see, he's always going to be that person. And they bring back old sins that, that you've done maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. They go back in your, your previous tweets that you did when you were 13 years old and now you're, you're 31, 32. And they're like, see, this person has never, see, look, what, look what they did back 20, 30 years ago. Like you haven't changed since you were 13. But what the gospel does and what, and what happens when God looks at us is it says that he remembers our sins no more. That whenever we repent and we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when we enter into heaven, he, God is not going to look at us and, and bring up this big list of things of all that we've done wrong, but he's going to look at us and see the, he's going to see the sacrifice of Jesus. The, the, the not remembers of sins, but, but the sacrifice and the atonement that Jesus gave us. The next thing is that cancel culture says that you should pay. That, that if something happens, you need to pay for what you did. But as a holistic understanding of the gospel, when it comes to our sins for eternity, we see that the gospel says that Jesus paid for our sins. That there's a point where we cannot, we cannot pay for our sins. We just can't. It's impossible. We sin way too much. We cannot fulfill the needs in order to pay for our sins. Like we are fallen individuals. We will continue to do wrong for all of eternity. And that's why we needed a permanent savior to come in and pay for those sins. And that's what the gospel message is about. And these are so many, there's so many different, there's so many more than what I see here. Like that's just a, this is a small few of what we see when deconstruction happens. And if it keeps happening and it goes in the wrong direction, deconstruction moves into culture. And that is very clear. We are not supposed to do that. And and we see these, these clear boundaries and these clear guidelines on what the gospel message is and the core of it. And we need to continue to do that. It is possible to look at your faith, look at the church and say, okay, what, where's the preference in here? Like, there's a lot of preference stuff in here. Maybe we can peel back those layers, and we can just be left with Jesus, and then we can work through there, and then build it back up and deepen our faith in Jesus. Like, that is the core of, of deconstruction. Eventually, it's no longer deconstruction, because you're not deconstructing faith. You're not deconstructing Jesus. You're just deconstructing things that aren't Jesus. And we really have to be careful with that. We really have to be careful with that. So Christians, if somebody around you is going through this, it's okay. It is okay to to look at somebody and, and walk with somebody that is really struggling with the church, that's really struggling with, with their faith. That doesn't mean that you live, that you leave them. 
It doesn't mean that you act like the world and you're unforgivable. You think that these people are unredeemed, that you remember all their sins, that you think that they're going to have to pay eternally for this. But we are supposed to be those who forgive, that redeem, that we do not. And we encourage that God does not remember his, their sins. And that we continue to remember, need to remember that Jesus is the one that pays for our sins that we don't have to pay for our sins. That means we don't treat people as though they have to pay for their sins. I love our, our, our mission statement, or just kind of our core thing that we subscribe to with our church. That there's essentials, which is everything about God. We call it theology, so beliefs about God, like the core things about um, what we believe about God, what, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. That... I would say 99% of churches really believe in. And then we have the non-essentials. So how we go about worshiping, how we go about worshiping God. So like the way that our church uh, hour, hour and a half, some churches go two hours, how that's set up, how we do communion, um, how we talk about offering. Um, you could even throw, you know, parts of baptism in there for some, for some denominations. Uh, on and on uh, about different how you view your your minister or your clergy, all that stuff. I'm not going to go into it. But all of that is centered around, it says, but in all things love. But in all things love. And we get that, and here's our scripture for today. It's, it's in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just going to read a couple of these. It says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I do not have love... I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing." And then it goes into what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. I think we need to remember that love when it comes to the current state of your church or the church around you. Honestly, what we see online and social media um, when it comes to the church. Like, this is really, really, really important. This is not a war. This isn't a war because we have never entered into the war because we know the ending. We know that Jesus will come back. It, it's We already know the ending, so there's no reason to have a war, but it's just a point where we need to make sure that we share the gospel in every circumstance, that that is our true thing, that it is, it's good to have an answer in and out of, of season, that we need to have an answer to everything, but if we don't love, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you can take somebody who's deconstructing that has all these questions and you absolutely destroy them 
with your answers from the Bible, if they don't feel love in that situation, if they don't experience love, the love of Jesus in that moment, then it doesn't matter if you won the argument. It doesn't matter because they're the, the thing that they're going to remember is what we can give and only Christians can give, which is the love of Jesus. So let's, if we are going to deconstruct anything, let's make sure that it is gospel centered and not culture centered. Let's make sure we do that. I'm going to pray for us and uh, in our continued week and our continued days until we meet together, hopefully next week. Um, I'm going to pray for our hearts as we interact with, with uh, Christians and, and church leaders um, that it is gospel-centered in everything that we do. So, dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for today. God, thank you so much for um, scriptures like the one we read in 1 Corinthians where we see that everything needs to be rooted in love. And it gives a list of all these things that love is not. And we kind of see in our culture today and people um, that it, the response is not love that we've seen. Now, this is not everybody. I know I'm God, but the, the blaring, um, obvious people that we see on online and the people who have unfortunately seem to have the voice of us, of some of us Christians, the response isn't love. And God, I, I pray that when, when, we read the things of, of cancel culture and we read the things of the world that our response should be the gospel and what the, what the gospel offers. God, I want to thank you so much for the church. I want to thank you so much for Jesus. I want to thank you so much for the ecclesia of God's people because I know I could not function and live without those things. And I want to thank you so much for setting up and creating those things for us. God, you really are so good. I ask this on your son's name. Amen. You guys have a great week, and I'll see you next Wednesday for the Rooted Podcast.